and we're back and this time we're taking it regionally and internationally on this segment we are joined by Dale Mafood, author of the debut novel when trees fall so sit back relax and enjoy let's get right into it yeah Welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself before we begin? Yes. Hi, Emma. Thank you so much for having me on the, the podcast. Um, my name is Dale Mafood. I am a Caribbean writer, born and raised in Jamaica by Jamaican parents, uh, living in Florida, and I presently teach for both uh, Broward County High Schools and Florida International University, I teach um, English writing courses and literature courses. Nice. Yay. Also, too, you're my first Jamaican guest. No, yes, on the podcast itself. (laughs) I'm honored. Thank you. Um, So, before we jump in into asking about the questions about your debut novel, tell me, um, where did the love for writing came about? Well, I think it's something that slowly developed. When I was in high school in 12th grade, uh, the teacher was doing this thing, you know, write poems and then she was going to make little, everybody had to write one or two poems and she'd make a little uh, booklet. And so I wrote, and this was up in the States, by the way, and I had just, I was up in boarding school here because things was, were going bad in Jamaica in the 70s. So I wrote one, two poems, one about a Rasta man which I didn't know much about Rastaman except Bob Marley at the time. But and another one is kind of a angsty teenage type poem, you know, about because when, when we're all teenagers, we think, you know, oh, life is whatever. So, yeah. but after that, I didn't do much until um, I started. I, I am a follower of Jesus and I started writing just kind of worship type song, lyrics. And then eventually I started uh, writing a little poetry. I'd gone to get my master's at the University of uh, at, at Florida International University. And so I started to take some classes in creative writing. I wrote poetry. I wrote uh, a short story there called Curry Chicken, which I've since uh, published. Um, and just kind of, it sort of began to evolve in that way until I got to the point where um, I decided to write this novel which I think you may want to ask about later or I don't know if you want me to mention it now later okay um, so good. obviously you would have some stories about in terms of writing um, writing your pieces like did you have like um little trinkets of paper that you kept in your pocket that you had write to save over the years? Not really. I'm not one of those, and I've, I wish I was, you know, writers mm-hmm. talking about carrying a little notebook in their pocket and when something drops in their head. Mm-hmm. I really didn't do that. I would just, most of my, some of my poetry in the earlier days before, you know, the internet was a thing, I would write in a little book mm-hmm. that I kept at home but mostly nowadays when something comes to me 
Mm -hmm. I pull out my phone and, you know, the note section and I mm -hmm. make a little note about it. Um, yeah, that's sort of it. But mostly it's, you know, when I'm sitting in front of my computer, mm -hmm. then I do my work. Okay. So since I, um, you, are, uh, you teach writing and stuff, um, do you have any, like, favorite books that has impacted you as both as a writer and a reader and a, a, a teacher? Okay, uh, that's a wonderful question. And yeah, I have several books. Um, probably one of my favorite books is The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosseini. Yes, I heard uh, that. Amazing. And even his second book I love, To A Thousand Splendid Sons. I was yes, crazy. A Thousand Splendid Sons. I think my sister gave me that book to read. Yes, it's wonderful. Third book, I'm not so, you know, I didn't love it as much. But what I loved about him is he's such an amazing storyteller. Mm -hmm. uh, just you, you almost feel like you're sitting at his feet um, and also what I loved about his books is after I'd finished reading them mm -hmm. the way I always put it is I felt like I had been in Afghanistan for a time mm -hmm. and that that really inspired me because you know as I was writing this novel mm -hmm. I, I wanted to I wanted people to feel like they had spent time in Jamaica for you know Mm -hmm. Like I had spent time in Afghanistan in my mind, you know. So that's this is powerful. Another one, The Help by Catherine Socket. Um, you know, it's about maids in Mississippi in the 60s. And just a great story. And I love the way that she divided the chapters between the three main characters, mm -hmm. which is what gave me the structure for When Trees Fall. I realized, oh, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I want to have big characters. It just kind of fit with what I was thinking. So it helped to give me the structure there. Mm -hmm. I love um, A Gentleman in Moscow, Amor Collins. He is just a wordsmith. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> I would love to write like him. I don't think my style is his exactly by any means, but I think it's, it's helped me to realize that you can have fun uh, when you're writing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, have fun with words. And he, if you've never read one of his novels, A Gentle in Mos Moscow is just, just profound. It's, he's an amazing writer. Mm -hmm. A couple more books I can think of, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. Uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, fantastic book. Uh, she is writing in the 1937. She's writing about an African American, the first African American, African American town that was founded in, I believe, the United States, but definitely in Florida. Mm -hmm. And in it, uh, it's really a celebration of of African American culture. I mean, there's a storyline to it, but mm -hmm. it's also a celebration of that. And she uses African-American dialect so wonderfully. And so while I was writing my novel, I was using Jamaican dialect, Patois. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a justification for me that, yes, this is this is a viable thing to be able to do. So wonderful, wonderful book. And then the last one is one I've just recently finished. It's called Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Oh, yes, I saw that. Everyone's raving about that. What a wonderful novel. And besides the fact that she is another great storyteller, mm -hmm. 
she skillfully weaves multiple perspectives and time periods mm -hmm. into an effective whole because she goes between people's perspectives and between back and forth between time periods mm -hmm. but she does it really really effectively where to i could see where maybe for some people they might be a little bit bothered mm -hmm. but me, to me it was amazing the way she did it really skillful so yeah those are i guess uh five really mm -hmm. impactful books to me so i'm guessing you're an avid reader then or you read from time to time when you have time <laughs> <laughs> well a little bit of both mm -hmm. first of all unfortunately i'm a slow reader mm -hmm. and i found out once that it has something to do with the way my eyes what they do when i read so i'm a little slow when i read yeah because um, you can't read too many um places at one time you know right you right requires focus right but what i do is i usually have four or five novels books whether they're novels or not <laughs> going at the same time so it depends on what I feel like you know yes yeah yes. I, but I don't have as much time as I wish I had mm -hmm. but I do because I'm more consistent I'm surprised myself I'm surprised myself that I get through so many books mm -hmm. um, yeah. so what I want to ask have you had any previous works before um, your debut novel well, and besides your I, short stories, I know your short stories are on the your website, but um, right, right. <clears throat> as far as published, the only thing that I've published are those short stories. Mm -hmm. um, I had actually, it's not my work, but I had published my mother's uh, book of poetry about two years ago. Oh, um, hey, that's and, cool. uh, yeah, they, they're actually kind of in them, you'll find the seeds for um some of when trees fall but no this is my first like official novel you know ah, okay yes so i know your mom has inspired you to write this novel tell me why okay so well growing up and, and even you know up to this day she continues to tell stories ah. about uh, growing up in jamaica in westmoreland in the country parts mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, some of them she's retold, but then every once in a while she has some new gem. I'm like, oh, that's that's really great. And uh, it just kind of one day we're sitting at the maybe about 13 years ago we're sitting at the dinner table with her and my wife and my children, and um, I said, you know what, I'm going to write a novel about this. And everybody was like, yes, you have to write this novel. So I, you know, I, I just got that encouragement. So in it, while it's not uh, biographical per se, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of the things that happened are things she talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the main characters, Kaylin, is based on her. Mm -hmm. And of course, very fictionalized. So when she reads it, she goes, that's not, that's not what I would do or that's not what I would say. And I have to say, Mama that's it's fiction <laughs> and remind her that it's fiction yeah but she her stories are the are the seeds mm -hmm. for now mm -hmm. what i realized too about the book the book is actually also kind of big on family as well so yes. and as you have written um that um in mind did you write it in mind of your own family um well, you know, family, 
mm-hmm. is very important to me, always has been, as it is to many people. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually what I find is most of what I write about just naturally in some way, shape or form mm-hmm. is tied into family. Um, and when I wrote the novel initially, I did write it for my family. That was the initial mm-hmm. you know, impetus for doing that. And then I began realizing, oh, this is this actually could be something. So I just started writing it for a general, larger audience. And then it really hit me. And the further I went on, the more research, because I did a lot of research. I wanted to be authentic about Jamaica as possible. I realized, you know what? This novel is also for Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, Marlon James, I believe it, it was in one of his novels, maybe well i think he may only have i'm not sure how many novels he has he has a lot i think about 15. oh he has i didn't know he had that many thank you i think it's in a brief history of seven killings said something to the effect of um everyone lives in their own jamaica and what he said i I believe i've seen that quote somewhere even though i haven't written any of his work but I would love to someday. I've always heard that how his books are like the long, they are very long. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, he is a phenomenal writer, but if you don't like violence or a lot of sex, <laughs> you have to be careful. <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest with you, I couldn't read the whole thing because it was so heavy, mm. but he's a phenomenal writer and mm. very, very creative. But yeah, so when he said uh, everyone lives in their own Jamaica, it just hit me. That, and I said, that's one of the things I'm trying to do with my novel is to help different aspects of Jamaica understand one another. Mm-hmm. So every character, every each novel, we'll talk about it's a series called Wood and Water. Each novel has, um, has one, oh, sorry, each novel has different characters different economic and or ethnic backgrounds sort of to explore those so that people from within Jamaica can read about another character from a different part of Jamaica in a sense and go oh so that's what it's like to be them and in a sense I'm hoping brings a little more even more unity to Jamaica than we already have nice because also too, well, I'm a Trinidadian. I don't know, yeah. and there's not much information that I know about Jamaica. All I know is in terms of Jamaica, maybe some parts of Caribbean history, and that the patois is very different from our local dialect here in Trinidad and Tobago. So to see that you actually put a map and then you put these settings and stuff, that was really nice to see. You know, because you know people would think um. Usually you'd see those maps and stuff in um, fantasy books and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Good, I'm glad that Um, so this is actually a series, right? It's called the first one, the When Trees Fall, it's called the Wood and Water series. Um, can you tell me why you name it that? Okay, great. Yeah, I struggle with all the different possibilities of what to call it, Jamaica Chronicles and this and the other. And then one day it hit me, wait a second, Jamaica is called the land of wood and water. And I was like, that's it. Uh, so I've called it 
wooden water saga because it's a saga, both family saga and, and in a sense a saga about Jamaica, Jamaica's independence. When you read the thing, the first book and the last book will kind of cover that. And um, there's a little bit of political uh, stuff in there, mm -hmm. but not for the purpose of um, you know, defending one position or another, but just trying to show the struggles within Jamaica to come to independence and then what happens after independence. So it's, it's the saga of Jamaica's saga, yeah. Along with the individual lives of different people and their own sagas. Mm -hmm. um, so, did you have like a particular writer that you enjoyed writing and uh, a, a particular character that was the trickiest for you to write? Alright, that's that's really good, yeah. Um, so, my mother, I kind of go with a neutral one, my mother's character, mm -hmm. Kaylin, Kaylin, because based on my mother, she was easy to write. Mm -hmm. um, the character that I enjoyed, uh, Archie, um, he is a very conflicted, and again I'll use the word, angsty teen teenager, who's got a chip on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of a cool character, but he's been thrown into a situation where he's not the cool one anymore. Mm -hmm. And so the, I, I enjoyed writing his mm -hmm. character, his struggle. He and his mother, his mother owns an inn, but she's almost, I describe her as like, she's almost like an actress. She's mm -hmm. always, she's always in character mm -hmm. as the innkeeper. And so he learns that from her. And uh, he even, he even uh, loves the great Gatsby and wants to be like the great Gatsby. So he was just a lot of fun to yeah. write from that perspective. Mm -hmm. you know? What I also picked up about um, about his household is that they like pimento. <laughs> and here we cook, in Trinidad, we cook here with pimento. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, in, in uh, Kalen's father's property, mm -hmm. he grew up group event. Mm -hmm. When and I saw he, that I laughed, like, I was like, that has to be a staple in Jamaica, or at least in the Caribbean. <laughs> oh, for sure, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. This is a true story. My grandfather, mm -hmm. during World War II, when there was not much gasoline, he figured a way to turn some of the pimento oil in, from his property into some sort of combustible gas. Wow. Yes. Well, the second character you asked about that was the trickiest to write was Sharp. Mm -hmm. Sharp, and his name comes from one of Jamaica's national heroes, Samuel Sharp. Um, but he, a black Jamaican from a poor area, um, and he even originally comes from a, a town called Akampong in the mountains that was one of the original maroon. Uh, mm -hmm. So there was so much I didn't know. I had to do a lot of research. Mm -hmm. I had to talk to a lot of pe different people. I got some really excellent um, advice and input on his character and his situation. Uh, that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. But because you had some sort of realism to it. E exactly. Yeah. I first of all, I'm a Jamaican. Mm -hmm. but I'm not black and I don't come from a poor area. Mm -hmm. 
so you know to try and put myself in his shoes i hope i've done a good job and i'm sure i'll get feedback from a lot of people but i hope, hope i've done a good job with him but he was the most challenging to write but as a result i think the most rewarding because mm-hmm. um I was hoping to see a little bit about the Blue Mountains because I've always heard about the Blue Mountains when um, when I came across reading in my um, Caribbean history classes and stuff and and if I um, even talk about the Maroons and stuff I, I learned some of that in um, history class as well so I'm excited to read more because when I think when I was reading um, his part of the sto- story where um, the place where he's from um, I was like, oh, is this a place? I have never came across it. So that was a, a revelation for me, for something new that I didn't know. Nice. That's awesome. It's beautiful. I'm glad. And I, that's very cool to hear that you learned that in uh, history yeah. class as well. Um, so what I want to ask you in terms, I mean, I haven't finished out the book as yet, <laughs> but I want to ask you, what do you want people to take away about this debut novel of yours because I know you said that the book is also for Jamaica also for your mother and for your family too so what do I want people to take away all right so for my family mm-hmm. I want them to uh, just you know have a little record even though it's just seeds of my mother's past to have something to hold on to mm-hmm. to imagine what it would have been like for her because my mother is a really incredible woman um for jamaicans like i said earlier i want to give jamaicans a glimpse into other jamaicans that they don't know mm-hmm. and realize hey these are real people with real feelings that go through the same things you do mm-hmm. and so maybe have a little more compassion uh not that jamaicans aren't compassionate but you know we could all, yes all, yes everybody is different you know yeah we could all use a little more dose of compassion and understand yes. and then for the world i want them to see jamaica as not just beaches reggae music yeah. and gang. <laughs> you know I, I mean obviously jamaica that's part of jamaica too but there's so much more to jamaica yes I want them to understand that. Mm-hmm. And also too, um, you took 13 years to put this book together and you said you had, you did research and stuff. Tell me, did you have any fun memories or not so fun memories of putting this book together? Like, was there um, research a lot? The research was a lot. The research almost seemed like every every sentence. Not That's an exaggeration, but you know, you do... You do some research ahead of time, but with something that's historical. Did you like have like recordings or like textbooks, um, papers? Absolutely. Um, you're looking there. <laughs> you're looking. Uh, I don't know where it is now, but there was one. You know, the, the story takes place in Westmoreland, and there mm-hmm. was a, a book that I read, a history, a history of Westmoreland, that helped. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some work. Some reading on World War II because it happened during World War II mm-hmm. and there are some things that take place. I did reading about so many things. Uh, Rachel Manley, you know, Michael Manley's daughter. I read her book, Drum Blair, which uh, has to do with her grandparents and her grandfather, Norman Manley, who is in this 
where he's spoken about in the novel, and her uncle was uh, another politician in the novel. There's so much I did, and you know, even to sometimes like, would they have used this word back then? In order to make it seem authentic, you know, like of course, this is a, a silly example, but would they have used cool? No, they wouldn't have used cool. Sometimes there's words I would have to look up and figure out who they have but it, the truth is it was fun <laughs> it was fun to do the research I really did enjoy it mm -hmm. and what does it mean to have the discipline, the patience and the persistence of putting this book together I mean what was what, it like for you uh, sometimes it was frustrating because most of the time yeah. the it took 13 years is that as a school teacher it was hard for me to really focus yeah. during the year so I would write during the summers I'm glad mm -hmm. the summers now of course I have three more books and there's no way that it can take 13 years so I'm doing some changes in my schedule and lifestyle to make sure that that happens I'm actually getting up now early earlier in the morning than I used to to try and start doing some writing every mm -hmm. day um, but like how early four o'clock <laughs> oh yes 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 i know i, I know <laughs> i get up at five o'clock anyway so in order to do this so it was, you had like a little drive then no i do start work at around 7 10 mm -hmm. and then i take my time in the morning i do try to read my bible every morning to kind of set my mind for the day mm -hmm. so you know things like that so between all of that take my time have my coffee uh, you know I have to get up at five so four o'clock but I, I am finding that last week I did it three days and I'm finding those are wonderful days because I really felt like I accomplished something before I went to work you know so yeah it was worth it but yeah I think the other thing I would say as far as the, the duration of doing this, uh, the discipline and persistence is the phrase one step at a time mm -hmm. True. has really helped me go through it, especially when it came to the actual, once the book was written and then we had to go through editing and then we had to go through cover design and then mm -hmm. we had to go we'll through. Go, go, we'll come to that too. <laughs> yes, exactly. So those were times where I just kept saying, okay, Dale, what's the next step? Mm -hmm. Focus on that. I would take that step. I would feel so much better, mm -hmm. and then it was all right. What's the next step? Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say for anybody writing: mm -hmm. don't allow yourself to become overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Truly, the, the most important yes. thing because it yes. it down, um, it literally puts you off. Yes. So, in your book, it's also written both in standard English and Jamaican patois. And as you know, some people, you know, they don't understand, they don't tend to be so fond of understanding Creole or Patois. Um, why was it important to include both of these languages in your book? Well, I think... And if you had any obstacles with it, but since, because you know, you were raised in Jamaica. Sure, sure. So I think, first of all, it's important because of authenticity. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't write something like this about Jamaicans and they're all speaking the mm -hmm. Queen's or now I should say the King's English um, so that's the first thing um, 
Then the second thing, I came, you know, as I was writing it, mm-hmm. of course, I can speak it, but I'd never written it before. And I came to realize, wait a second, there, this this thing has grammar, it has cadence, yeah. it, has, it has its own vocabulary. A lot of and people I, don't know that. <laughs> yes, I was like, this is a book. This is a language, I mean. So, and since then, I've uh, spoken with different people and there's uh, a wonderful woman, I believe her name is Joanna Richards, that has courses online to teach how to write Patois. And I've come to the conviction it actually is a real language. So, then the other thing was that the obstacle was I wrote it and I wrote it phonetically how it sounded to me. Mm-hmm. And then I gave, that was like the first five chapters, and I gave that to several people, Jamaicans, Americans, my my kids uh, who were in, in their 20s and the feedback I got was that it was hard to read and believe it or not even yeah. Jamaicans yeah. even Jamaicans found it hard to yeah. read even yeah. to like when um, some people write in Creole like some books sometimes it's hard to write because it's different from the pronunciation that you would know but people I think what people do is that they write it in how they think um, it is spelt Right, right. That's why. So then what I did was I went ahead and made it really made too easy to read because then my daughter came to me. She read it again and she said, Dad, no, she's American. No, Dad, you've lost the flavor of the Jamaican. It's easy to understand that you've lost, lost the flavor. So <clears throat> then I just kind of, what I ended up doing mm-hmm. was spelling most words with, in standard English but just writing it in the grammar. Mm -hmm. And then after reading that, she felt better about it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was a great experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I was going to ask you if you had like a dictionary to help you, but then you said that you did a course online. Yeah, but I didn't, well, actually I didn't take the course. Uh, I was just saying that she has. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Talked a lot. But the truth is, to write it phonetically in that way is a whole different story. Yeah. Um, to the I average. I can tell you. <laughs> really it's hard confusing to understand. because sometimes even to I see that they have um, dictionaries like Creole dictionaries now, and Americans have these, Caribbean Americans have these, and I'm like, where can I get these in Trinidad? It doesn't have these because I actually online they would have um dictionaries which people just copy and paste words and how they how the creole is spelled and i'm like oh is it spelled like that it's spelled so differently how i write it because just for referencing if i reference in something in my work and stuff like that so people will be able to get the right pronunciation and stuff like that right right yeah it, it's a, it's a challenge between being very authentic or being accessible you know yes I really like this. And also, um, too, is that people learning from you. Yes, yes. Somebody once told me uh, that if you want Empire to understand what you're doing, then you have to write in a way Empire can understand, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, and that really impacted me. So that's why I decided to make it as readable as possible mm-hmm. with still some of the Jamaican yeah. flavor to it. Yeah, a lot of people... Um, Say you have to do that. That's the most important thing, because else no one would read it. 
Because exactly. then it comes like who you're then writing the book for then, you know? Exactly. Are you writing it for scholars who mm-hmm. write in Patwa or are you writing it for people in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been browsing through your author's page on Goodreads and you said writing is definitely not a solo project, it's collaborative. And you, you talked about you had your proofreaders, um, your wife, your daughter reading it, um, your research helpers and stuff. Um, basically a team who helps you who would help who help you with the book right so what i want to ask um since you are dipping yourself into um putting your book out there organically um how was the process for you in terms of all of that so um well first i have to say besides the writing of the project because the writing was mostly me Mm-hmm. That's except, the most thing, most important thing. Right. Except after the first draft, my wife said something's missing. We need to know more about Malcolm. Mm-hmm. And so she and I came up with the idea of, of ideas of infusing the letters, which I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, but once that was done, I realized, you know what? I need to. I, I decided that I was going to independently publish, mm-hmm. and I stayed independently rather than self-publish. For the very reason that there's no such thing as self-publishing something because other people have to help you. Mm-hmm. So um, I started listening to uh, publishing podcasts. It's been about three years now that I'm listening to publishing podcasts two or three a week. Um, and I'll mention that for if anybody's interested because they're phenomenal. My favorite is the Creative Pen. Uh, that's pen with two ends. The second one is self-publishing formula. Mm-hmm. The third one is novel marketing, mm-hmm. and there are plenty more. But I had to educate myself in the whole publishing process. Yeah. And through that, I realized the need to that I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have to get a, prof- a, a at least one professional publisher because otherwise, I'm competing with publishing houses, you know, like random house and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I got uh, professional. Uh, publisher, I mean editor, who I also wanted somebody with Jamaican connections who could give me an authenticity read. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this Grace Weimer is her name. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. She read it a couple times for different reasons and we went back and forth. Mm-hmm. Then I had that she suggested a proofreader mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, got her as well. And then um, my wife, like I said, is phenomenal. And through this process, she discovered she loved editing. And so she's now taking an editing course. Mm -hmm. She's just amazing. I had my two daughters read it. And they're big time readers, big time into English and grammar. So they were super helpful as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I did have other sort of beta readers reading and giving me input as well. So that was sort of the editing process. Then I needed a cover designer, and uh, he's actually, believe it or not, in Serbia. Wow. And uh, I got him through, um, I forget the name of that, Upwork. And then um, we ended up doing two different covers. The first cover, which I really loved, and everybody loved it, but the truth was it was not up to market. It's oh. not the type of cover people go, ooh, I want to read that. So 
that's when we came up with this other design. That, oh, that is being really colorful. Yes, yes. More Caribbean. I mean, even a lot of books that aren't even Caribbean now are using those bright, bright colors. Yeah. Colors that almost have a cartoon feel to them, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was great. And then just now, you know, having to learn the whole uh, marketing thing. I've been doing marketing for like a couple of years now. Because you have to start that ahead of time before the book's yeah. written. Yeah email list how to how to build an email list yeah it's been an experience but yeah. but uh again a good experience i'm thankful for uh, it i want to ask too in terms of the independent publishing um i know that is that takes a while for some authors to get independently published was that a problem for you well so my publisher is rockstone publishing house mm -hmm which is owned by no, uh, none other than me. <laughs> so again, on uh, many of these publishing podcasts, they don't, they, you don't have to do it this way, but if you're, if you're doing it yourself, mm -hmm. they do recommend um, creating an imprint, your own imprint, for several reasons. Uh, some of it having to do with tax reasons, legal reasons, mm -hmm. but uh, some of it also giving it gives uh, a more authenticity to your book. Mm -hmm. so, um, uh, so basically, I've created a publishing house, but it's basically just for me. Oh, I didn't yeah. even bother with that <laughs> because no, it's not necessary. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I know, I know, I know. I mean, even to like some authors that I've came across who are both traditionally and self-published you said whether if it's traditional or self-published you still have to promote yourself whether it is yeah it and it kind of it is hard you know yeah and i think that's the thing that most people don't realize and i wrestled back and forth whether i should try and get a traditional publisher but yeah. number one it's so hard to get yeah two even if they buy your book mm -hmm. it doesn't mean they're ever going to print it yes and then number three, you have to do most of the marketing unless you're Stephen King. Yeah. But <laughs> as I said, you know, self-publishing is booming right now. You know? Yes. Yes. So that is a good thing. Yes, definitely. The thing about it is that that word of mouth helps. The internet helps, you know? Yes. If it wasn't for the internet, I don't think it would, it would be very hard. Yes. Even like, especially, you know, when you want to have like a viral moment. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, if it wasn't for the internet, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. Yes. <laughs> also for the yeah. Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so, <coughs> as, you have, as you said, you created your own publishing house, be more um, specifically for your own works, right? Yes. So I also know that you're working on book two. Yes. Uh, is there anything you would like to say about book two? Yes, I'm very excited about book two. I'm looking forward to, you know, things sort of calming down with book one. Mm -hmm. But book two is going to be called Up From Mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, it is going to explore the Lebanese, Lebanese slash Mid Middle Eastern uh, aspect of Jamaica and the Caribbean really I know a lot of Lebanese and Trinidad yes uh, it's going to explore well of course my mother's character will be one of them 
And then I haven't fully decided on the last character, whether the last character will be male or female, mm. where, where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. uh, but somehow they're going to be connected <coughs> with the Manleys mm -hmm. uh, and, and sort of in that world. So we discover the, the Norman Manley, Ma Michael Manley world through that character. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, racially, I'm not sure what they're going to be. I, that, that's sort of in the beginning mm -hmm. stages. But I, I have procured some of the uh, books that I'm going to be reading about the Lebanese. It's basically uh, the character, and actually he's kind of based on my grandfather from my father's side. Mm -hmm. um, he comes from Lebanon, but I'm having him oh, wow. come. That's nice. I, I'm not sure why he came, but I'm having him come because during World War One, there was what's called the Mount Lebanon famine, which was the big, sorry, that's my dog, which was more people died in the Mount Lebanon famine than any other group of people in World mm -hmm. War One. Mm -hmm. So he's fleeing that. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting for mm -hmm. me to write. Yeah. One, one of the reasons is, and, and you've probably heard authors say this as well, that when you when you're writing, you're living in that world. So I feel yes. like I yes, yes, you're building I that live. world. Exactly. So I want to live mm -hmm. in this new world, which will be in Kingston. Mm -hmm. And how long have you started this um, this book too? Well, I haven't officially started it oh, because you're just I've been doing notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have notes, and I've yeah, started yeah, yeah. I understand. doing a little bit of reading. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So I'm also doing um, some like about six, mm -hmm. six short stories. Mm -hmm. that are connected with when trees fall mm -hmm. uh, each of the characters and they're kind of what i call back and forward stories mm -hmm. some of them will be back stories of characters and some of them will be stories of characters a little, a little. that will be in your book or no i think i'm doing that just like i did my short stories before and they'll help to you know bring people to want to join my author list and trying oh, yeah. to discover more yeah, about I know people put that on their website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually I will make it into sort of a companion book or something. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah, a collection. Because I actually yeah. had, I wanted to do, I was working on a short story, I think when I started college. And you think about it, I had no way, um, idea where it was going until I think this year, I, I actually thought of an idea where it would be a crime thriller novel instead. But instead, what I did, I um, I turned it around to make it interconnected in a way. So I'm kind of working on that to have different teams of different characters. Ten um, characters in a classroom, you know. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then each story, you'll have different stories from their different perspectives. Yeah. Um, based on their own lives is that a team okay yes and they come to this class which is actually literature <laughs> yeah right. and they talk about um the classic novels and the local literature aspects of it that sounds nice i like that yeah Look so forward to more. I, i'm trying to see if i could finish it out at least by this yeah oh so because i it is a short story collection so i don't think it'll be long because I, there's actually a book that i read it's called kanbo and every i think every two chap every two chapters is a 
is a new chapter. Every two pages, there's a new chapter. So okay. I was like thinking, how I'm going to write this short story? Because you know, a short story could be any amount of words, like between 1,500 to 7,000. So I'm checking the word count with each story that I am um, write. But then it's like I have to edit too as well in terms of editing the style of writing. I, it can't be too much dialect, you know. So it must right. have some type of description. <laughs> so yeah. That was really really interesting. I like I like that. creative. Yeah. You're putting that together, so it's got it. So, in a sense, it's all thematically tied together, so it's almost kind of like a novel. Sounds like, yes, the thing about it, too, even though that's the short story collection, the novel itself it's it's fermenting, okay, it's a crime okay. novel. So, I'm like nice. basically taking up um crime clippings and um watching how societal issues and stuff are because I'm actually a psychology student. Oh wow! Um, and I wanted to actually have the um, I wanted it to be a psychology course rather than the literature. But I'm, I said, you know, the writing about classics and the Caribbean literature as uh, for the semester for the students would be easier for me because you know I'm surrounded by books. I could talk about different books, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's true. Yeah. That's so. Point. I know you're, uh, you you teach writing, so do you have any like um, like if there are any misconceptions that people make within writing itself? Misconceptions. Like you know, people say um, if you want to write a novel, just write it. You know, some people do mind mapping and stuff. You know, they have their own way of doing certain things. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. The own way, so, so to speak, and you have to figure it out. As I've heard many times on uh, these podcasts, mm-hmm. that people tend to be people tend to be this sort of a continuum. On the far right side, you have the plotter that mm-hmm. plots everything yeah. down to the last detail. On the far left side, you have what they call the pantser because they write from the seat to their pants. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think anybody is a pure pot plotter or a pure pantser. But, you know, just kind of figuring out what, how you work best. Mm-hmm. And, yet, and yet learning from those who do it differently. Because um, in the end, like I know they say, a lot of people say, oh, just write the story. Don't worry about all the, yeah. all the, the whatever. Yeah. But that's not how I work. I have to, as I'm writing, I'm editing. Yeah, because it's time. Time is of the essence, right? Yeah, well, well, some people say you waste time, but I don't think you waste time because it, it, at the end of it, you have to clean up the mess you made if you yeah. don't. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody works differently, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, what I want to ask you have you ever been in a writing slump? Um, I guess. But I guess for me, because sometimes I'm not able to write for some mm-hmm. periods of time, so when I do get time to write, I just jump into it. Mm-hmm. But but if I, if there is, I think there are a couple of things I suggest. Number one, just go for a nice walk in nature, mm-hmm. preferably, and just clear your mind, enjoy nature. This you kind of reset your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, other thing was I'm assigned in my classroom and it says something to the effect of if you can't write well 
-hmm. just right. Just right, and then clean up the mess yeah. later. Mm -hmm. so sometimes you have to force yourself just to start writing, yeah. and then things start flowing. Yes, the most, you can't force it, because if you force it, you're not going to get anything. Yeah, yeah. Although sometimes if you do force something before you know it, things start flowing. But then again, yeah. if you find yourself there sitting half an hour and you cannot, it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. A job that maybe this is the time to get them and go do something mm -hmm. else for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I believe we have come to the end of our talk. It was nice talking to you. Um, and con I want to say congratulations again on your debut novel. And all the best for book two. Um, Thank you so much. So, would you like to say anything before we go? Well, first of all, Pamela, I'd like to thank you for having me on the All Things Archie and Caribbean Alike podcast. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Uh, the only other thing I would like to encourage is that uh, if anybody would like to get four free chapters of my novel, all they have to do is go to dalemafood.com. That's D-A-L-E-M-A-H-F-O-O-D-Food.com. And you can sign up and get uh, four, four chapters. Mm -hmm. And uh, you would be signing up for my email list to do that. But then you can, you can get a feeling for whether you want to purchase the book or not, you know. And mm -hmm. the pre-orders are up on Amazon now, so, you know. October 15th, everyone. Yes, October 15th is the exciting date, so. Yes, thank you so much, Amina. I do appreciate this. Mm -hmm. Thank you again for coming and for allowing me to interview you. that was the end of this segment i hope you guys enjoyed this episode with dale as much as i enjoyed speaking to him chatting with him yeah and i shall see you guys in the next one bye